Praised be Jesus Christ. During the Royal and Redeemed Retreat, we had a blessed opportunity for a question and answer session. Several young women submitted questions along the lines of vocation, prayer, healing, identity, and some general questions. This next hour is the talk of the sisters responding to those questions from a live stream event that they had during the retreat. Enjoy! We do realize that the time frame for submitting questions was, was very short, and we thank you for your patience, but we did get quite a few questions, and we're hoping to get through them during this hour. Okay. All right. All right. We're ready. All right. So let's begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you for the gift of our identity as your beloved daughters. Father, we ask you that you would send your Holy Spirit to be with us during this time. Help our minds and our hearts to be open to the word that you desire us to speak and the word that you desire um, everyone who's listening to hear. We ask you, Blessed Mother, to accompany us with your powerful prayers. And we especially ask you, Mary, to um, help us to be as receptive as you were on this eve of Pentecost to the powerful working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. So here we go. We're going to just go through. We actually have the questions numbered to help to keep us on track. So Yeah, so what we did was we took all of your questions and categorized them according to the category you chose. Mm -hmm. We then put them together, and what we'll do is we'll just go down the line. Many of your questions actually do um, converge. Some mm -hmm. of them have the same spirit of desire of understanding. So we're going to try to um, address those questions all together, um, but some individually. Mm -hmm. Great. All right. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. All right. So question number one, how long will each of the videos be available? Um, so the actually the videos are going to just continue to be available, the talk. So as long as you have the email and the link in your email, then you can just keep going back to the talks. But the reason that we're, um, so we also recorded, we can just put, we're going to put the voice recordings as well on the podcast that we have, the Podbean from Sacred Heart Retreat House. So Yes, yeah. so it's shrh.podbean.com, um, shrh and so these talks mm -hmm. will be uploaded there. We also have Apple, um, an Apple podcast, so we're hoping to just let you know, um, maybe be, via email, where you can find this. So yes, mm -hmm. you can have that available. Mm -hmm. All right. Number two. Number two. All right. So favorite uh, go-to Bible verses for identity, vocation, and healing. All right, so this is actually, these were fun ones. So for identity, um, one of my favorite ones is from Isaiah. Um, there's a couple from Isaiah, but I, for me, it's Isaiah um, 43, um, verse 4. And actually, let me see if I can, I don't have to turn to here. This is for identity? I think so. Oh, actually, I had this one. What did you have? Oh, Isaiah 62. Oh, you know what? I have two. There were two of oh, them. Oh, I see. So, so one of her ones yeah. was six, Isaiah 62, 2 through 5. Yes. That's for identity. That's correct. So, um, yes. And that one, just to, uh, very briefly, that one is where our Lord is um, speaking about us being a crown of splendor in the hand of the Lord. Um, and will no longer be forsaken or abandoned, but we shall be called my delight. Um, so that one's perfect in knowing that our identity is not in that we are abandoned or forsaken or anything that we've suffered, but rather that we are the delight of the Heavenly Father. So that's one of them. And then the other one is Isaiah 43, verse 4. And that is where the Lord tells us that um, you are honored and revered and I love you. Um, so those are my favorite go-tos Yes. Identity. And Please forgive us. We will be moving quickly. So God yeah. willing, you're writing something down. You have something to write down with yeah. as we go through this. Another Bible verse um, favorite to go to for vocation mm -hmm. is Matthew 9, 9 to 13, which is actually the call of Matthew. Mm -hmm. And that it's wonderful to put yourself in the place of Matthew. who was minding his own business and Jesus walks up to him and calls him. So that's something definitely to pray through. Mm -hmm. And then healing. And then healing, um, mm -hmm. I'm going to give you two. So first one is Ezekiel 
um, chapter 16, verses 1 to 14, and actually in the, in the talk that I did on healing for the retreat, which I'm not sure if you would have heard that yet. I don't think just yet, maybe. Maybe. Uh, maybe. You could have already heard it. So that is pulled from that one. I gave you that one to reflect on. And then the other one for healing is, um, I also use it in the same talk, but it's Isaiah um, chapter 61. Verses 1 to 4. So both of those are wonderful um, scripture references for healing. All right. Then we have um, Charmaine asks a question. In Sister Gianna's talk, what is meant by little deaths that the Lord is calling us to do? Why the word death? I'm assuming it's a form of dying to oneself. Can you elaborate more on this? Charmaine, absolutely yes. Death, because we are dying to Mm ourselves. And when we say the word death, it's not something morbid or anything. It's, Mm -hmm. It's a death. A certain death that brings life. So say someone says something to you that just angers you and you want to yell back. A death there is to not yell back because if it's not a something that you're getting hurt or anything, but some something that someone just said and in anger on their end, you don't want to respond in anger. So you hold your yourself and you stop yourself from yelling back. It's a death because you want to do it, but you won't. Mm-hmm. out of love for that person so there is a dying or in another there are many dying throughout yeah. the day basically i mean anytime that we're called to give sacrificial love we're dying to ourselves yes. because of you know anytime that we're asked to come outside of our comfort zone like exactly. let's say that you were called to give a talk or asked to give a talk or something like that and you were just terrified but you knew that god was calling you to do that there's a certain dying to self that has to happen in order to be able to give um, that gift of self so yeah sacrificial love exactly <laughs> mm-hmm um, Emily asked a question, what is spirit, good spiritual reading that's been very, that has been very impactful for you in your relationship to God, also in your journey of healing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so mine was, it's a book called Impact of God by Father Ian Matthew. Um, and basically what it is, he gives a very short biography of St. John of the Cross, but then he goes mm-hmm. into the actual writings of St. John of the Cross, but he does it in such a way that it's very relatable. And he specifically um, relates it to our healing journey and um, the healing power of prayer in our life. Um, so anyway, so Impact of God would definitely be my um, recommendation for healing. A book on that. Yes. Another one, another really good author is Father Jacques Philippe, mm-hmm. J-A-C-Q-E, C-Q-U-E-S, Philippe, mm-hmm. yes, P-H-I-L, I-P-P-E. He writes, he writes very simply. He has a little bit of a Carmelite spirituality, although he's yeah. from the community of the Beatitudes. And there are books that are about this small, little chunks, but he's written several. But one that he's written on is called Interior Freedom mm-hmm. and Searching for... And Maintaining Peace. And ma- Maintaining Peace. Yeah. Those are very good books in that he kind of merges both... Um, Catholic spirituality and psychology and mm-hmm. human healing together. So mm-hmm. we recommend him as an author. Yeah, he's wonderful. All right. So um, number five, Felicia. All right. So this is a great question. It would seem as if Christ, our King's orders for us to follow, would be loud and commanding. Yet it seems like he often speaks to us in whispers. So is that because he's quiet, or is that because the devil is much louder around us in this world? So I'm going to let Sister Mary start, and then I'll pick up with the second half. Felicia, that's a very good question. Um, Is it because God is quiet, or is it because the devil is loud in this world? I suppose it could be both. One thing that in my own experience in my relationship with God is that he's always been, he is a gentleman. He is the utmost gentleman. He would never impose himself on you. He would never Mm -hmm. yell out or scream. Um, to force you to do something. He, he gently whispers and calls your freedom and invites you to respond. Mm-hmm. And he respects us so much that he would actually allow us to walk away from him or walk away from his will. Um, so he, that's really how God works. Now, with the devil being loud, well, I suppose, you know, the world, um, he, can, he, he can be loud too, but I think when we have a life of prayer, we can discern the difference between both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the other thing too, with the way that God speaks, um, one of my favorite passages that I go to to help me with that is from First Kings. And I think it, what is it? Chapter 19. 
1 Kings 19. Okay, 1 Kings chapter 19. And that is the story of um, Elijah where he's on the mountain. He's in the mouth of the cave. He's in the cave. in the mouth of the cave. And when he comes out, um, he has the earthquake and the fire and all of the loud wind and everything that comes through. And the Lord was not in any of those. And scripture is very clear. The Lord was not in the fire, not in the earthquake. But then he heard a tiny whispering breeze and he covered his face because he knew he was in the presence of the divine. Our Lord loves silence. God loves silence. Um, there is a life-giving silence that happens, um, hopefully, when we're in prayer. And that's where God desires to speak. Um, because there's something that's so holy and beautiful about, about a silence that's just pregnant with the presence of God. Um, and that's what he experienced, what Elijah experienced. So, um, so yeah, so he is oftentimes quiet. And then sometimes, I'm sure we've all had experience, like with the burning bush. So yes. I think it really just depends. Um, but I like what yeah. you said. You truly, that's the word of God. If, if you liken it to a seed, it grows and it's nurtured in silence. In silence. Yeah. We have to allow, nurture our life, the life of God within us with silence, really giving him space and time to speak to us. Mm-hmm. And then you'll realize he's actually not as quiet. <laughs> no, he speaks constantly. You'll start yes. to see him everywhere. All right, here we go. <laughs> uh, Charmaine asks, it was beautiful to hear about how suffering and love are linked. However, when I go through suffering, it is hard to focus on love or offering it up for souls or even focusing on God amidst the pain and anxiety. Do you have any advice on how to better focus on love instead of suffering? Mm-hmm. Instead, during suffering. Charmaine, this is a very good question. And first of all, I want to pose that question with a question. You mentioned love instead during suffering. So what is love? Love in the tradition of St. Thomas Aquinas is willing the good of the other as other. So really wanting the best for the other person as, as an, just because they are a person. Sometimes when we choose to love somebody, it might result in suffering for us. Mm-hmm. Now I can give an example. I knew of a young woman who, um, was, who was really in love with this man. They were dating each other, but then he was discerning the priesthood. And what is love there? Love is willing the good for this person, regardless of her feelings. She wanted him to discern the priesthood if he felt called. So she said, yes, go, and they broke up, and he went and discerned the priesthood. Now, did that cause her suffering? Greatly, yes, because she, of course, wanted to be dating him, but she wanted the good, his good more than she wanted her feelings to be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. So it caused her great suffering. So it's not, contra- they don't contradict each other. Oftentimes the love is happening while we suffer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if we can see that as something that is happening in our life, mm-hmm. there is much more peace that comes with it and a docility to that suffering that God is permitting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, that's exactly right. And then the other thing too, um, as we were thinking of this, just with um, how to better focus on love during suffering, um, St. Elizabeth of the Trinity has this beautiful quote, and it's something that's always helped me. Um, and she says that the best prayer is just simply to take your crucifix and to look and to listen. And as you're reflecting on our Lord and his passion and in his suffering, I mean, that is how he gave the ultimate gift of love. That's where his love just shined for us was when he was on the cross. And so it's just, it's a beautiful way to unite yourself with him in his suffering and to ask him to teach you because really what you're asking for, I mean, it's a grace. It's a grace from God. We have to really ask him for that grace to be able to suffer with love and to keep our eyes fixed on him. But I think the more we can pray with sacred scripture in the pastor and looking at a crucifix, that's going to help us. And the other thing too, that just a little tidbit, Sister Mary kind of said it, but just to kind of reiterate the fact that um, sometimes we equate love with feeling good. And um, when we're suffering, we think it, it can be hard because we think that maybe, like, like Sister said, it's not love. But um, but love is not love is not just a good feeling. Um, yeah, it really, love requires sacrifice. So, um, yeah, so... Yes. All right. Cecilia, how do we balance responsibility with trust? I have a one-year-old son with many medical needs from an unknown illness. Mm -hmm. 
I'm just going to summarize this. So basically, you've been entrusted with your son's health. And how do you attend to that responsibility while keeping the mindset that God the Father is the source of your hope and the one fully in control of the situation? Mm-hmm. That's a loaded question. There's a lot <laughs> in there. And first of all, God bless you for being yeah. a mother of a, a child with special needs. This yeah. is definitely a cross that... Our Lord has entrusted you with. Obviously, He knows that you can handle it. Otherwise, He wouldn't give it to you. Um, so that's number one. And um, your your main question here is responsibility with trust. So it's similar in a sense where when we're following God's will, which for you, God's will is that you be a mother and that you have this child with more needs than the, the average child. That is God's will for you. Living out your will uh, by being a good mother to this child and giving him what he needs is um, is your path to fulfilling his will. And because it's his will, he will provide. Mm-hmm. So when you just simply rest in that knowledge that you are doing his will when you're caring for your child, even though it's difficult, he will provide the grace and the strength Mm -hmm. for you to carry out your duties because of the very fact that he's permitting it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the other thing too, that I think is really helpful is, um, as much as we can, because what can happen and particularly in your situation that I really feel for, we both really feel for, um, there can be that desire, well, the temptation towards anxiety, like you're saying, and to want to constantly be worried about what's coming next or what, mm-hmm. what's going to happen. And as much as possible, just really asking God for that grace. And again, it's really, it's a self-discipline to tell you the truth, because this is with all of us, but um, to try to stay in the present moment, you know, because if we really remain in the present moment, we know that the present moment is where grace is. And that's where God speaks. That's where God's presence is that's where his power is that's where he wants to provide for you he will provide for you down the way but if you're present to the present moment and allow yourself to be open to experience how he's providing for you right here right now that's going to strengthen you for every step of the journey that's going to come after that so um so that's what i what could be helpful present moment definitely sister that's very well answered very good um, All right, and then next. Okay, sure, Veronica. So why is it so hard to approach healing? I want to heal, but I don't know how to approach it. How do you know what your wounds are or where to start? This is such a wonderful question. And um, I think I, I pretty much addressed these questions in the talk that I did on healing, um, Veronica. So hopefully hopefully those will answer your questions. So um, so yes, yeah, so I would just encourage you to go ahead and just to listen to the talk and hopefully those questions will be answered there. So, all right. Yes. Yeah. And then Anastasia had a question, how to forgive yourself and be able to change in order to grow into a renewed you, mm. how to get rid of self-judgment and critique. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's the bane, especially of all women. <laughs> all women suffer this. We all want to do, yeah. we all want to be the best version of ourselves. And then when we see other people, I don't know, more pretty or more talented or more this or more that, we tend to look at ourselves like we're not enough. Mm-hmm. And really, it sounds generic, but really understanding that you have such a dignity that is unrepeatable. Yes. That's There's no other you in this world. Yeah. And there is no other way to God that will go to God unless you take that personal path mm-hmm. to God. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, then he's going to be missing that path because only you can fulfill it. Mm-hmm. So you can't heal yourself. We can't. The source, again, is through his grace which we receive in the sacraments, sacramental grace, and also actual grace through prayer. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. prayer essentially is a relationship with God. It's, yeah. it's bringing him into your life and telling him, you know what, Lord, I don't like this. I don't like how I'm acting. Can you help me fix this? Because I can't do it myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I yeah. don't know how to... Yeah, no, that's great. I think, um, 
you know, getting rid of the self-judgment and the self-critique. Well, I forget who said it, but the death of the spiritual life is comparison, is what they say. And oftentimes our, our self-condemnation comes from the fact that we're comparing ourselves with other people. Or we have these kind of crazy, um, you know, expectations, expectations for ourselves. You know, we all do it, especially as women. We all do mm-hmm. that. It's really in prayer. I, 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 yes, we're Carmelites. We're going to say prayer for a lot of things. But it's in prayer where you can come to be healed and knowing that, like Sister Mary said, you're unique and irrepeatable. You are loved totally, completely, entirely, exactly as you are. Amen. The more that you can experience that from the Father, He's not waiting to give His love to you once you're like this. He's not waiting to lavish you with Himself once you've become more perfect or once you're further in the spiritual life. He's giving himself to you fully, totally, completely right now. Right now. He's not waiting. That's right. You are his beloved child. And I think we think that way because that's how we love. I mean, I yeah. love you when you're nice to me or I yeah. not love, but I, yeah. I treat you the way you treat me. Or mm-hmm. for those who of us who, who fall into that lack of virtue, you know, that's, that's how we treat one another, but that's not how God treats no. us. No. His yeah. love is totally unconditional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. All right. So what, let's see, what number? Charlene, number 10. Number 10. Okay. Um, at what point do you continue praying to God about a person who is close to your heart and finally reaching out to that person who is very likely not to, to not reply back or reciprocate the same care you give to them? I think you had a good answer to this question. Started yes. With it. Yeah. So um, at what point do you continue praying? So basically, I'm praying for reconciliation with this person. At what point do I approach this person? And what if this person is not ready? I think... Um, I think, Charlene, the first thing that we have to ask ourselves is what is our motive? What do I want out of this encounter with this person? Do I want to show her that I'm right? Do I want her to know that she hurt me and to apologize? Or do I want to approach her because I want to understand? I want to understand where she was coming from. I want to understand if maybe I did something to create that response that she had. And uh, when we understand our motive, if it comes from a point of wanting to understand the other person, again, love, willing the good of the other, wanting to understand where that person is coming from, then we'll, we will be at peace at whatever, situ- whatever um, result comes yeah, from yeah. it. Yeah. If this person, if your motive is because you want to understand this person and mm-hmm. she's just saying, you know what, I'm not ready to talk with you right now, then you'll be fine because you want to understand her and she's not ready, so then maybe later on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it really comes from that place of mm-hmm. looking towards the other's good. Now, that doesn't negate that maybe this person hurt you and maybe this person um, needs to know. I'm not sure where, what the situation is. It doesn't, it doesn't erase the fact that the hurt is there and it's real. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not using it as a means to hurt the other. Mm-hmm. You know, I hope mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing, too, is that, um, you know, um, you're finally reaching out to the person not likely to reply back. Yeah. I think, like Sister said, just the motives are just really important here. And um, sometimes God asks us, as hard as this is, um, it sounds harsh, but it's not meant to be. Sometimes God asks us to let go of people. And, um, and we have to sometimes let go of them and just entrust them to Him. And just tell him, Lord, like, you know, like, in my heart, I've done my part. Like, I've done what I can. I desire the good of the other. And then at some point, like, I have to be able just to let go and entrust that person to God. And just trust that in his own time and in his own way, he'll bring about that reconciliation. Um, If and when, you know, obviously, we all desire reconciliation. It's a good thing. But when that's meant to happen. So, um, and trust, too, that he's going to use it for your good somehow, for your own sanctification. So, yeah. That's right. Okay. Um, so Kelly. Uh, oh, wait, the next one. I think oh, yeah, Charlie. Kelly. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. How can a mother find time to discern and reflect on what God desires of her when she's caught up with caring for her family and loved ones? This is a good question. So, Sister and I were talking about this question. And thank you. Thank you for first, I have to tell you, thank you for having the courage to ask this question because I can only imagine 
Um, you know, I anyway, I talked to my sister today who was pregnant with number 11. And, 11 you know, children. She has 11 children. Yeah, she's number 11's in the womb. And so, you know, constantly when I'm talking to her, there's like always commotion and children running around <laughs> and like things are happening. I mean, they're very well behaved, don't get me wrong. My sister's children are amazing. Proud aunt, yes. Okay, so, but it's beautiful because when I watch her, I see she has, she's just, and I'm not saying that you haven't, but I just see in her, she has fully embraced her vocation and she's experiencing God in her vocation. She's experiencing God being a wife and being a mother and it's transformed her so beautifully. Um, and so I think that that's really it. It's that God wants to transform you in the nitty gritty, beautiful and difficult moments of being a wife and a mother. He's present in those times. He's present when you're caring for your child. He's present when you're with your husband. He's present in family life. When God calls you to a certain vocation, your sanctification comes about through living the day-to-day calls of that vocation with fidelity and with generosity. Um, And so he's not separate from what you're going through. So you don't have to discern. So, I mean, obviously, um, everybody needs quiet prayer time, yes. So however you can fit in those few minutes in your day is great. But as far as the discernment of his will goes, your will is to, his will is for you to be faithful to your vocation as a wife yes. and a mother. First and foremost, that's what he's asking of you. Now, if there's a way for you to like get a babysitter, if like you feel like there's another thing that you have to discern that's bigger and you really need that quiet time, is there someone who can take care of the children so that you can go and have a concentrated quiet prayer time with mm-hmm. Jesus if there really is something else that needs discernment. But otherwise, you're doing his will and being faithful. Yes. To the call, so. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you want to take number 12? Kelly, you have a question. How can college students live out their identity while at college as well as teaching others how to find their identity in God? So this, I think, is a two-part question. Mm-hmm. How can a college student live out their identity? Well, if, if you know that your identity is that to be a child of God and you live within the rules of the kingdom of um, loving God first and foremost and loving others, then um, your identity is rooted in that. Now, if you're around other people, which we will be in college, who have not had the same upbringing or don't have the same faith or values as you do, Mm -hmm. do we go around telling them about it, about this is what you should and shouldn't do? Um, That might not be the most effective. Um, Our faith needs to be lived out first and foremost by example, by really good, solid example, Mm -hmm. um, in gentleness and in love. I can give you an example. Uh, I had fallen away from the faith when I was in college, and I I was able to meet a very good friend named Maria after I graduated, and she grew up in a very faith-filled household where they did not eat meat on Fridays. I didn't do that. I did not think about not eating meat on Fridays. I always ate meat on Fridays. So one day, it was Friday, and... I wanted a big fat burger. I just wanted to have a really nice burger. And I told her this. I said, let's go out and buy a hamburger. And she said, oh, sure. I'll just pray an extra rosary. And I thought, wow, Mm -hmm. that was powerful. She Mm -hmm. didn't say, oh, no, I don't eat meat on Fridays. You shouldn't be eating meat on Fridays either. She didn't condemn me. But yet she taught me in, in a truthful way that she didn't eat meat on Fridays, but she would be willing to do that um, as long as she would do an extra penance of a rosary, which is, I think, such a beautiful thing. That spoke Mm -hmm. to me much more and more powerfully than Mm -hmm. her trying to teach me her ways of living because it's not like eating meat on Fridays is a sin. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's just a practice that the church um, recommends, but we're not obliged to do it. Mm -hmm. But she just did... Did that beautifully. Yeah, that is. It's really beautiful. And the other thing, too, with identity, um, the thought that came to me is, you know, you're... As you're speaking, I'm just going to check to make sure we're okay. That's great, yep. Um, That we're all a work in progress. And so as you're trying to help others to find their identity in God, recognizing that you yourself are on that journey, too. And I think that there's something so beautiful to be said Um, in letting our vulnerability be seen in that way because I think that that's the most powerful witness that when I can walk with someone that like I'm not doing it in a condescending way like Sister Meredith mentioned it's it's 
we're, no, we're taking this journey together. I'm coming to know my identity as a beloved daughter of the Heavenly Father, and I'm walking alongside you, and I, we're going to do this together. Um, and so I, that's to me what true friendship is, true spiritual friendship. It's like we both have our eyes fixed on Jesus, and we're supporting one another and trying to come to know our own belovedness. Um, and so, yeah, so it's, um, it's in taking that journey together. Um, but I'll always go back to sacred scripture because the only way to undo the lies, the identity lies, is through hearing the word of truth. And the word of truth is the living word of God. And he tells you here that you're beloved. So I really encourage you to pray with sacred scripture and coming to know your identity. Okay, so next is 13, Abigail. How do okay. I talk to my sisters when they are being disrespectful or not following directions? I love taking care of my siblings, but I often lose patience with them. After yelling or disciplining them, I feel bad, and I know I should treat them better, but I don't know how to speak to them in a manner that, that they can understand. Abigail, I think a lot of us suffer that this way. We do things we don't want to do, um, and the things we mm-hmm. should be doing, we don't do. St. Paul. Like St. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think bottom line, we just have to think about how do I want to be treated? Mm-hmm. How do I want to be treated by other people? Mm-hmm. If, if say I do something wrong, and really our conscience is pretty strong if we're well formed, and I know I'm doing something wrong already, mm-hmm. having someone yell at me um, to correct me is not going to be as effective as someone actually coming up to me with a gentleness mm-hmm. and actually coming up to me and, and close to me and saying it in a very soft voice and say, maybe even touching my hand and saying, you know, maybe next time the better thing to do is, or um, to pull me aside sometime else when I'm not in front of everyone and to just ask me, why did you do that? Mm-hmm. Because it could be that your siblings are doing something and you don't understand the full picture and you're just seeing the action, but not mm-hmm. all that's going on around. And so a little by little, it chips away really at our trust for one another. It chips away at our unity. It chips away at our charity for each other. And little by little, our relationship can start to th- fall apart if we continue to treat each other this way. Mm-hmm. So little acts of love to repair for that will go a long way. Mm-hmm, definitely. And I think um, just treating one another according to our dignity is really the key there too. Yeah. I'm like what sister was basically what sister's saying is that you know we have to respect the dignity of the human person even when we're angry, even when we're frustrated. And so knowing that this person, and again we're realizing the very real circumstance here. It's not always easy. It's like I can look at somebody, know they're a beloved child of God, but when I'm angry, right, that like that kind of like goes out the window sometimes. Um, but. <laughs> But it's the truth. It's that if I can start thinking like to treat someone according to their dignity, respecting the dignity of the human person, um, then I'm more likely to have that gentle firmness that Sister Meredith is talking about. And, you know, it requires grace and and practice. 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 So <laughs> we'll pray for you with yes. that. And so, yes. All right. Next question. Let's see. We are on. Oh, number 14. Okay, this is, uh, yes, number 14, Felicia. How do you know when God is calling you to persevere through certain trials in your state, in your state in life versus when he is calling you to pursue um, an alternate path? That is such a good question. And, you know, I don't know that what just now came into my mind, too. Sister and I, beforehand, were talking about the rules of discernment. Um, so there are rules of St. Ignatius, the rules of discernment of spirits. Um, And Father Jacques Philippe has an excellent section in his book on searching for and maintaining peace, where he talks about discernment and and making decisions and making changes. So one thing to take into account here, um, whether or not God is calling you to persevere through certain trials. Okay, so I'll say this first. God does allow suffering in our lives, and we know that. He allows it for a greater good. He allows it actually so that we can be united with him, so that we can be purified and come to perfect love. All right. So our suffering actually, as difficult as it can be, it's actually something that is supposed to bring us to greater freedom and give us life. If we are um, in a circumstance that is basically kind of squelching our, because um, you're talking about state and life, that's squelching our, our spirit in our life and it's not life giving, um, then it's worth taking that to prayer to discern, is this really what God is asking of me? God wants you to live life to the full. That does not mean that you're not gonna have the cross. You're gonna have the cross. 
And that's part of living life to the full, actually, mm-hmm. is being able to lovingly and wholeheartedly embrace crosses when they come. And then we're set free. We're just free to, like, run with our cross and just love alongside Jesus. Because it's his will. It's and, his will. And his burden is light. Yeah. yeah. When, it's not our, when it's not his burden, it's heavy. It's heavy. So it causes a little yeah. bit of... It causes, it's, like it's oppressive. It's oppressive, It's yes. oppressive. So that's where the discernment has to come in. Is this an oppressive... Um, suffering that's here and is this you know really how God wants me to live Um, you know and so anyway so there is discernment that's required in that and with the discernment piece of it um, you know one of the marks of the Holy Spirit and Father Jacques Philippe actually has this in another one of his books on the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit's work always comes with the mark of peace there's a couple of things that he works in peace and that's how you can know that it's the Holy Spirit so I'm, I'm in peace the other thing is that there's a consistency um, there's a consistency in, excuse me, I just dropped the paper here. It's okay, um, keep talking. There, but there's a consistency in, in his message to me. Um, so the message is consistent and there's peace. Those are two marks. And he says other things too. Um, but yeah, so hopefully that's helpful in discerning, but could, because God does not want you to live under an oppressive burden of suffering. Um, you know, and sometimes there's circumstances we can't change. And so we have to ask him to transform our interior um, attitude towards it. But if there's a choice that's there, then bringing that to the Holy Spirit and asking for help. Yes, and also just adding into that too, sometimes what we think is suffering and that we should bear is really not something that we should be bearing. For example, Mm -hmm. um, if you're in a relationship where the the man is um, verbally abusive to you and you think, I just need to suffer this, no. No. That that just, um, that's not the kind of suffering that we're talking about. Um, suffering also should always bring you life. It should never um, cut you down or hurt, um, um, cut down your dignity. So there is, as Sister is saying, the discernment of that. It, it needs to um, go back to, is this particular situation making me, giving me more peace and allowing me to grow into something, into more of who I'm supposed to be? Mm-hmm. Or is it squashing me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, perfect. Yep. Um, so next question from Marie. What advice can you give to someone struggling to see their own beauty, often getting caught up in their own imperfections? Oh, I feel like a broken record when I keep going back to the Heavenly Father and coming to know our belovedness. But um, the healing, the healing remedy for this, Marie, really and truly is entering into the loving gaze of the Heavenly Father in prayer when I allow him to gaze upon me in prayer and I ask him for that grace to see myself as he sees me, um, then I begin to be transformed when I experience that love. And I'm, I'm no longer um, feeling so down on myself or not seeing that I have anything good to offer, um, but rather I'm starting to see the unique and unrepeatable, beautiful person that God has created me to be. Um, but that's a healing so there's a twofold thing there so it has to come in prayer but the other piece of it too is the people in your life who are the people in your life are they building you up do you have good solid friends who are striving towards holiness who are there to encourage you to help you to see your own beauty because hopefully if they're true friends and they would do that they would be able to affirm you and reflect back to you the beauty and the goodness that they see in you we all need that we all need affirmation um so those are the two ways I think that are really helpful in that regard. So, mm-hmm. and when sister's talking about prayer, it's it's that I had that image of when you're in an airplane and you have to take that mask and put it over yourself and <laughs> breathe before you can help anybody else. So it's the same thing where you can't. Mm-hmm. Um, when you are able to see your own dignity and receive that from God then your whole perspective in life will change as well. You're able to see the dignity and beauty of other people. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of um, comes full circle. Yeah, yeah, so beautiful. Okay, so next question, Katie, and this is about prayer. Yes, can you explain offering up mm-hmm. suffering for the repentance of sins and salvation of others? Very good question. Very good question. Very good question. So we think about, um, when I saw, read this question, I immediately thought about our physical body. Mm. Um, say I, my thumb is hurt. When, when, my, when your thumb is hurt, 
all the antibodies and the blood in your body goes to your thumb to try to give it oxygen and heal to heal it it's the same concept on a spiritual level where we are the body of the of Christ and when there is um, suffering in the body which there always is and we are suffering with Christ in union with him and we offer it up out of love mm-hmm. somehow mysteriously that bot that part of the body is being healed mm-hmm. and we don't know exactly how it it happens but it it happens where our prayers that suffering that we're able to endure by his grace that we offer up mm-hmm. becomes a healing balm for the part of the body that is suffering mm-hmm. and it's true because in mm-hmm. scripture colossians 1 24 mm-hmm. st paul says that i fill up in my flesh what is lacking for the sake of what is lacking in the sufferings of christ for the sake of his body the church Right, so in, this is one of the most beautiful, actually, I love this in the catechism. I pray with it so much, um, that when you were baptized, you were actually grafted onto the Paschal mystery of Christ. Mm-hmm. What that, you were grafted into the Paschal mystery of Christ. What that means is that you have a full share in the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus, so that when you suffer in union with him, your suffering is redemptive because oh, of yeah. his. Your suffering redeems the body. Your suffering brings life. Um, and so that's, that's what gives it its, its um, efficacious value is because you're grafted onto his Paschal mystery. You are one with him, suffering with him. So when you offer him your sufferings generously, he is going to use that to bring about redemption. And it's a mystery because he chose to do it that way. He waits for us to offer our sufferings to him. He wants to redeem humanity using us, which is just awesome if you think about it. He doesn't need us, but he wants to. He doesn't need us, but he wants to. So anyway. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Blanca, Mm -hmm. you said, I am confused if I understand I received the Holy Spirit at baptism. Correct. Then why does Bishop Aaron say that a good prayer is, come Holy Spirit, don't I already have it? Very good point. Mm -hmm. Yes and yes. So we receive the Holy Spirit at baptism and even more so at confirmation. When we say the word come Holy Spirit, we are actually making a willful invitation for God to enter into our life. Yes, he's with us, always with us. Mm -hmm. When we say the prayer, it's not for God. It's for us. Mm -hmm. Because when we say it, (laughs) we actually open up our hearts to receive the one even more. Yes. We think about our bodies being um, mm-hmm. finite. You know, there's only so much of this mass of body that can receive. But really, we're infinite. Our souls are infinite, and we actually can receive more of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. the more of His grace, more of His love, more, mm-hmm. more, more, always. Mm-hmm. So when we say that prayer, it's more for us than it is for God, because you're right, He is with us. But mm-hmm. there is an opening of our, of our soul when we say those prayers. Right, and the other thing too is that, um, which goes along perfectly with what Sister Meredith is saying, is that you're talking about a relationship with a person. Yeah. You're, it's, it, yes, He's a divine person and He's pure spirit, but He's it's still a relationship. And think about your relationships, like, you know, if someone were to just kind of like again, it goes back to what Sister so beautifully said in the beginning about God being a gentleman. He's not going to force Himself and His gifts on us. We, he wants to see that we desire him. And in a relationship, you're going to welcome the other person, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to welcome them. You're going to help them to know, like, I want you to be here. I love you. I want to build this loving relationship with you. Just like that with the Holy Spirit. He wants you to welcome him. The other thing about him, too, is that um, the Holy Spirit doesn't just come once and then that's it. And then, you know, that his work is done. He is a living, dynamic um, Woo! person. Woo! A living, he swoops dynamic. in and out. He and all does, around. and he cre- he's constantly creating and recreating you within. Mm-hmm. He's constantly rebaptizing you and with his fire and his love, so to speak. So it's not like he just comes once and that's it. He's stagnant. No, we have to keep inviting him. He's going to constantly be recreating. So yes, yeah. very good. All so right. We do have to keep going because I know. I know. Let's see what time we're is doing. It. Actually, we're, we're, we're oh good. We're doing all right. Well, here. we have fifteen minutes. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, Katie Saint Faustina wrote how one time she was crocheting and asked God that for every stitch she oh, did, yeah. have that a soul may be saved. What are ways in our daily lives we can also have prayer in everything we do? 
you know, sister, I, I liked your answer about the morning offering. And oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. So basically, um, ways that we can have prayer in everything that we do. So one practical thing that you can do is we understand that we're human beings, and so our minds might not always be able to actually be thinking about God at every moment while we're going about our tasks. So one practical thing that you can do is make a morning offering. So you're making the intention to the Lord and saying, Lord, I'm offering you everything, all of my works, acts, suffering, everything throughout this whole day. Um, I'm offering it to you in a desire to make it a prayer. The other thing is um, Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection has a beautiful little book called Practicing the Presence of God. The more that we can actually learn to just live in God's presence, which is a grace, it's a grace of contemplation that's given by God after we've opened ourselves to receive that, then we can live in God's presence um, without that effort on our part and, um, and offer everything to him. But yeah, but the morning offering, as much as we can, try to practice the presence of God. And, and don't worry, because yeah. his presence is not contingent on you're feeling it no. or knowing it or intellectualizing the fact that he's there. No, he's always there. He's always there. He just is. He's always there. Regardless of whether we remember him or not, he is. And that we should take great comfort in that because we could go, be going about our daily business, cooking, cleaning, mm-hmm. and he's there. That's mm-hmm. what's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And even just little short, like we call them spiritual communions. Mm-hmm. If you make just little small, short spiritual communions throughout the day, like you have a crucifix on the wall or holy pictures around that make you think of God and you just make that little interior spiritual communion. Jesus, I love you. I adore you. I believe you. You're with me. You know, that in and of itself is just a powerful prayer to keep yourself in his presence. So. I know I know a sister Good. and it's I do the same thing. She says that every time she looks at the clock and it says five fifty five or eleven eleven, two twenty two, she thinks of it as God telling her he loves her. Mm-hmm. And now I think the same thing. Every time I look at the clock and it's the same number, I always think, Oh, I love you too, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so little things like that. You find your own love language with Jesus. So All right. Very good. So next question from Blanca. Does the Holy Spirit received at baptism stay within me if for years I moved away from God? I would really love to get an answer to this nagging question. Great question. This is a theological question that has to do with the life of grace in our soul. So I'm going to try to do this really briefly. Basically, does the presence of God ever leave us? No, because God actually is omnipresent. Like we know he's present in everything, everywhere. He's present with us in a very special way in our baptism. The Blessed Trinity comes to dwell in our soul. So we are a temple of the Spirit. St. Teresa of Avila has a great analogy that she uses for this, where she talks about our soul kind of like this beautiful, brilliant, gorgeous crystal. And the life of God is this bright light that's shining out into all parts of the soul through the center of the soul, the crystal. If you were to take a big, dark, thick piece of cloth and cover that crystal, there would be no more light in the soul. The soul um, would be in total darkness. That's what happens when we fall away from God in mortal sin. Um, so it's like the presence is still there in a different way. And again, there's certain theological terms that go along with that. So God's presence technically does not leave, but grace is no longer present. Charity is what we lose when we, when we, um, commit mortal sin. Um, and so, yes, in order to come back into the life of God, then we go to confession and grace is restored. So technically no, his presence does not ever leave us. But if you're talking about the presence of his sanctifying grace and his divine life in us, um, that can go if we make if we mm-hmm. choose to. But live. it comes back. But it comes back. Yes, and he's all mercy. Yes. All mercy always grace so. comes back. Yes, great. Um, okay, so we're gonna move it along a little bit more quickly. Marie, you had a vocation. Mm-hmm. How do you sisters um, live the feminine vocation to be spouse and mother in your daily life? What does this look like practically? All right, that's a good one. It so is a good question. I'm gonna ask go uh, uh, answer it very. Um, Quickly, from our community's perspective, we get up very early in the morning, earlier than I thought I could ever do when I was discerning, but now it's I it's not a problem. We get up at 4, 4.55? Right now. Right now. Yeah. 4.50. Yeah. And the first thing we do is we get on our knees and we say, um, <laughs> what did we say? Oh, is this the prayer. Lord, I love you. Wait, uh, the St. Teresa. I, oh, I am yours, Lord, my Lord, and for you I belong. What do you desire of me? So it's a prayer we say right away when we get on our knees. <laughs> we do say it, we promise. Even we we do. Remember I it. just kind of locked <laughs> it But so right there, I already feel this. I don't want to get up, but I love my Lord. Mm-hmm. So that spousal relationship takes hold right, right then and there. I love him. And the right thing to do 
is to get up and go to prayer, to be with him in those moments, those early moments of the day mm-hmm. when he wants to speak to me. He wants to communicate with mm-hmm. me, and I want to receive his grace and his strength. Right then, I feel that spousal, mm. or I sense the spousal intimacy. It's not a feeling. It's a knowing that because of my state in life, this is our schedule. This is God's will for me. Therefore, there is the grace there. Mm-hmm. So that's one example. Now, on a maternal level, I'm sure you can talk about that. Oh, yeah. The spiritual motherhood aspect of it is incredible. You know, um, I have to just share with you all that there's really, to tell you the truth, I now I just made my perpetual vows and now living um, our life for these years there's no way that I could have ever um, even begun to imagine the way that God was going to fulfill that deep desire in my own heart of being a spouse and mother and the spiritual motherhood aspect of it comes out in so many different ways you know just like a mother would pour herself out for her children in um, in daily life um, you know, it's the same thing with us. So our, our particular community serves in retreats, healthcare, and education. So for a sister who's an RN, she's on the floor. She's taking care of those residents. She's passing meds, and she's loving them. She's also being a mother to her staff. Um, sister who is a CNA, she is, like, hands-on giving care to the people. A sister who's a teacher in a classroom, I mean, what spiritual motherhood is there? She is a spiritual mother to those children. She's helping to form them, love them, guide them. Um, I have the gift right now, the incredible gift of being in the vocation office, and every single time I have um, a conversation with a young woman, I'm experiencing my own spiritual maternity in such an incredible way, like I tell you, that I never could have foreseen, and it's so life-giving. Um, and so, yeah, like, I mean, it's fulfilled and it's there and it's going to look different practically depending on what God's calling you to do. And the spousal relationship with Christ is constantly nourished in prayer and in the sacraments. And um, he exceeds your expectations. <laughs> he really does. And, yeah. and for women out there who might be discerning a vocation to religious life, yeah. don't, be, don't be scared if you think, well, I want to be a wife and I want to be a mother. So did that, we. So did we. <laughs> I mean, that should be. Yes, every it's good and normal. Every woman should have that desire because yeah. she's built with it mm-hmm. innately. It's how it's going to flower and blossom is the question. Mm-hmm. How will you receive the most happiness in this bridal spousal relationship? How will you receive the most happiness in your maternal this maternal dimension? Mm-hmm. Will it be with a man, uh, an earthly man, with your earthly children? Mm-hmm. Or will it be on a spiritual level where you're literally married to God and his children become yours? Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Um, Let's see. We have six minutes, and I think maybe we should do the will of God. <laughs> Which one? These right here? Yeah. Yeah, yeah these two. Because we, we, we... Okay. Okay. Yeah, let's do those two. Actually, because I can give a... Um, vocation coming from baptism. Oh, sure. Okay, sure. Okay, so we're going to do these next few questions kind of all um, together. So basically the questions are, how do you know what's the right thing that you're called to do by God? How do you know what God is calling you to be or to do in this world? Um, So first of all, I mean, vocation has a lot of different, um, so there's vocation, like you could talk about your state in life. There's a lot of other things that God can call us to do. Um, If you're talking about state in life, if that's the question, it's a call from God. It's always a call from God. So um, it's a call that's given to us in baptism. And um, we're all called to live a particular state in life, which is going to bring us to become the fullness of who we're created to be in our sanctity and also bring about the sanctity of others, the um, sanctification of the body of the church. And so that's really the key of it is that it's going to come about through prayer. If I'm being attentive to God in my daily life, exactly where I am right here, right now, not worrying so much about where am I going to be in 10 years. If you're attentive to God's voice now, he will let you know where he wants you to be. It's a matter of um, staying open to him in prayer, having a regular prayer life, um, receiving the sacraments regularly, living out, um, living, just living faithfully as a young Catholic woman yes. in the world. He is going to let you know. Um, and one very practical tool I can tell you, and this is for everybody, is the examine prayer, which can be found on our Carmelite Sisters website, carmelitesistersocd.com. I know we have the examine prayer there. 
that prayer keeps you attentive to how God is working in your life throughout the day. And then you start to see the pattern of how he's calling you to love and how I'm responding to his love. And through that, through your attentiveness to him, um, he's going to reveal to you where it is that you're supposed to be, where how you're called to love, is essentially. And to add on to that, mm-hmm. Sister mentioned, so our vocation is given to us at baptism. So really our our duty in life is to detect it, to try to mm-hmm. live in such a way to detect where he's calling us. Mm-hmm. And if you make a mistake or if you somehow, I, I think one fear that we have, at least I know I did, was if I, if I discern religious life, I can't ever get out or I can't ever, it's mm. permanent. It's, or if I date this guy, I have to marry him. <laughs> No, it's no it's step by yeah, step. step by step. Step by step. It's a process. In fact, for our community, yeah. it takes you ten years to make final profession. By the time yeah. I was scared coming in, by the time I was midway through, I was thinking, when is it going to happen? I mean, I I desired it so much, mm-hmm. but Holy Mother Church allows a certain amount of time between yeah. for us to really discern, and if if it's not God's call, then we are free to leave. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's all or nothing Mm -hmm. I mean it is all or nothing when you know what your vocation is that should be it but when we are trying to detect it or trying to listen to God we may not have it all together we may not Mm -hmm. have the answer right here and right now but what we can do is respond in the little way that he wants Mm -hmm. us now for example if you're a sister and a daughter be a good sister be a good daughter to your parents Mm -hmm. in your state in life right now if you're a student study be a good student be Mm -hmm. a good friend be Mm -hmm. if you're a mother be a good mother to your children Uh, sorry that that's already for someone who's determined their vocation but if someone is still Mm -hmm. discerning it's just be the best of who you are right here right now Mm -hmm. right and the other thing too is that if you really are feeling a strong desire or attraction to consecrated life um, you know, and you're feeling like God is calling you, like, like take some steps, like to actually yeah. make an active discernment. Do do that if you feel the Lord calling you to do that. So um, don't be afraid, you know. And the thing is, too, picking up the phone and calling a vocation directress is does not mean that, like, you're in. And <laughs> so it's just a phone call. Be not yes. afraid. It's just a phone call. Nor is she going to be, like, coming after you. At least yes. I hope not. I so hope not. I, I hope not. not. Um, it's, it's basically like you're just, you taking concrete steps, though, if you do feel God putting that on your heart, is your way of showing Jesus that you want to respond to his movements and to his grace. So be not afraid. And you don't have to do that by yourself. That's no. the thing is when you make a yeah. phone call, the sister will talk you through it or help mm-hmm. you through it. Um, you don't have to do this by yourself. You're not yeah. on your own. Yeah. So what time is it now? Yeah. It's 4.13. We have a couple minutes left. So what do you think? Well, let's see. Um, I thought this would be a nice one for us to answer. All right, sure. I think that's a great way to end. Okay, so the question is from Kelly. To any sister or all sisters, these two sisters, <laughs> what sorry. is sorry you're stuck with us? What is one of your favorite things about being a Carmelite sister? Uh, you go first. Oh, oh there are so, so many hard. things. There are so many things. <laughs> so hard. Number one, being a Carmelite sister, I love the fact that we um, our life is centered around the liturgy, mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. the Blessed Sacrament, around the Holy Eucharist. Yes. Um, our life is centered around our Lord present in the Blessed Sacrament. So that's one of my favorite things. And I have to say, the second part is community. I love my sisters. When I was discerning, I thought, Lord, I'll give you my life and I'll go by myself. And then when I entered community, it was a beautiful surprise to see these beautiful women who gave up their lives for the Lord and love Him. And I get to share life with them. Yeah. I mean, I get to be your sister forever. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think that's so awesome. It's incredible. It is incredible. Yeah, yeah. it's such an incredible gift. And um, for me, it's, I think, the part that just always just astounds me. Um, being the spouse of Christ. Being the spouse of Christ. Oh, my goodness. I just, 
that for me, that's always been the clincher for me that I am the bride of Christ. Um, and Carmel in particular, what I love about Carmel is that it's the prayer. It's the deep prayer, the rich spiritual tradition that Carmel holds. And that now having professed vows in a Carmelite community, it's like that belongs to me. Like I, the, the, all of the treasures of Carmel are mine. Um, it's so beautiful. So yeah, the, the depth of Carmelite spirituality and prayer and just being his spouse and um, journeying towards that union with him. So yeah. And I echo community life. There's, yeah. It's incredible. It's just such a gift. But don't, so. don't think it's all, you know, green grassy meadows and <laughs> sweet smelling flowers. I mean, yeah, it's like me assuming course. that your married life is perfect and your children are well no, behaved. There's challenges for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's also an incredible gift. It is. You know, More, so, yeah, the, yes. the gift far surpasses the cross. Absolutely. So this has been such a joy. Thank you all so much for taking the time to join us. And we just want you to know that we have been praying so much for you. All of our sisters have been totally surrounding you with their powerful prayers and sacrifices and um so thank you for um saying yes to the lord to be here this weekend amen amen let's sing i love you lord oh sure we're gonna end with a song i love you lord and i you if you know it sing with us can sing our closing (laughs) prayer okay i love you lord and i lift my voice to worship you oh my soul rejoice take joy my king for you as you continue your retreat. Yes. God bless.